What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods here coming at y'all with another SEC in 30 Days episode here. We're joined by Tennessee Football Insider, host of the Believe in Tennessee Football. Kyler Kerbison is here joining us today, so I just want to say I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Um, I love it when any show can uh, bring up the Vols and start talking about it more, so I'm very, very happy to be here. Absolutely, yeah. We, we gotta. We, we I feel like more podcasts need to kind of like spread their wings. The ones that don't focus on one team kind of try to cover more teams than just the the few that every podcast out there covers. So that's why we kind of started this. But I want to get to the twenty twenty season as much as I know it's probably not the best topic to talk about. The Vols <laughs> had a difficult season, three and seven, but there were some close losses that I think the Vols, if a player two goes differently, they could have pulled out the win in those games. I'm looking specifically at the Auburn game as an Auburn guy. Auburn didn't have a hold of that game until very late. But for you, did this season meet, exceed, or fall short of your preseason expectations? Oh, definitely fell short. Uh, I mean, everyone going into the season, you know, we had just, you know, had eight wins, went to a bowl, we're doing, you know, on the rise. Thought we were going to be great this year. Uh, thought we would compete for the SEC at least. And, you know, it just hit the fan. It, 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 uh, it really fell apart with the quarterback position. That was our, our crutch the entire time. It, it was something that, you know, Jeremy Pruitt just didn't have control of, didn't understand. Uh, I don't know if that was because he's a defensive-minded coach, if he was trying to put too much effort into it, if it was, you know, Coach Cheney, our offensive coordinator, just not understanding exactly the limitations of Garantano. Um, but that's where it fell apart. That's why we had the season we had. It was the quarterback position. It was not realizing we had to get JG out of there earlier um, and just try some of the younger guys. So it was very disappointing, but, you know, morale is high now. The the complete change happened this offseason with, with Pruitt and, you know, Fulmer both leaving, getting in Danny White, getting in Josh Heupel. And, and when you look at it on paper, you know, Pruitt's a defensive-minded coach. He's a no-nonsense uh, country boy who hasn't really played big time football and you know had never had head coaching experience and what we get in return is an offensive minded coach who was a quarterback for a big time team and has head coaching experience and a winning record and that's exactly what we wanted that's exactly our problem last year so to have coach Heupel here uh, just really makes us feel a little lot a lot better as you know of all faithful Absolutely. I mean, I think it was a good hire, and that's kind of where I wanted to move to next. You mentioned Pruitt, Fulmer out. They needed to go after the internal investigation. This is uh, looking into it. But Heupel comes in as the guy at head coach from UCF. You know, uh, you just you kind of talked about the things that made him the guy for Tennessee. What are your expectations for him, though? I mean, and, and how many years do you think he needs to get Tennessee back at the top of the SEC East? So, you know, everyone gives the the three-year buffer uh, for new-time head coaches, which is an obvious one I would give for him. But, honestly, I I think it might be four. You know, I've seen him do a lot of good things in the transfer portal, just bringing in guys from other schools. But 
we got a hill to climb. I mean, we had about 30-plus guys leave the team, and that's a lot of spots to fill. Uh, you know, and I got to go to a practice during spring and, and watch and, you know, be there the whole time, see exactly what was going on. And the offense looks fun. It looks exciting. It looks great. It looks up-tempo. looks like we can do anything that we would want, but the defense just does not look like it's there. It is missing the size at the linebacker position for sure. Uh, it's just missing skill. It, it, it's it's missing a lot. So it's going to be the thing we're going to struggle with the most this year. You know, I, I said it earlier this year, but I, I feel like we're going to be the old Miss of last. So up-tempo, high-scoring offense, but we're going to let up a lot of points too. But, you know, there's there's upside. There's, you know, bringing in the DeJon Terry from Kansas, defensive tackle. Bringing in Caleb Presley from USC, defensive tackle. Bringing in Jawan Mitchell and, 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 and other guys on defense that, hey, we're going to build this defense up. We're going to actually make it competitive, actually make it good because the kind of offense he runs, it really does make it hard for a defense in general. And if you don't have guys, if you have very low depth, it's even worse. Um, so honestly, I give him four and I, I, I believe in an offensive mindset so much. I, you know, played offensive line. I'm an offensive guy at heart. So I think if, you know, you do have a good offense, you can win some, some meaningful games. And, and, uh, that's just the way, you know, NCAA college football is trending. It's just offensive mindset, offensive team. So I like the fact that, that we got him. Right. And I mean, you mentioned the offense to have that. You're going to have to have a good quarterback to compete in the SEC. We see that year in and year out. Garitano's out um, tra- out in the transfer portal. I, be- I believe he went to um, Washington State, correct? Yes. Yes, yeah. he did. And, and uh, <laughs> one thing that was pretty funny is his first pass attempt at a spring game was an interception. So uh, oh, that, 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 went, that went quite uh, – viral on, on vol twitter uh just being like <laughs> yep try to tell you but uh you know yeah like like the coach from the cardinals who was it they are who we thought they were uh, that's <laughs> that's exactly what garitano is it was funny we had craig powers from sb nation on for our uh washington state I- interview and he said every time he posts a jaron garantano piece more tennessee fans comment on their hate for garantano the washington state fans comment on anything else he posts he said i just stopped posting about garantano he said it's yeah. not even worth it with the tennessee fans but i want to get to the three-man race this is the biggest decision for hypel into year one i think harrison bailey Brian Moore and Hendon Hooker are the three guys. I've already said on this podcast I really like Hooker for this position just based on the experience. But as a Tennessee guy, what do each of these guys bring to the table, and who is your personal favorite to be QB1 for 2021? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm excited that there's this much of a competition, that there's this many guys, because whoever does come out on top, you know he had to go through the ringer. You know he had to get such good coaching from Coach Heupel, being a quarterback guy and so much competition between his peers that he's going to be our best option. Now they all bring something different to the table. You know, Hinton Hooker with his running ability, it, you know, his bar none, he, you saw his athleticism at Virginia Tech. Like you said, he does have the experience more than the other two. Brian Mowers, a little bit of both. He, he, he is kind of um, under the radar when it comes to his speed and his athleticism. 
but he can still – he has a strong arm. He can still get that ball there. Um, you know, sometimes he's a little inaccurate. But, you know, when we watched in the spring game, there were some deep balls that he really hit in stride, which I love to see. And Harrison Bailey, powerful arm, um, sometimes overthrows guys, which you wouldn't expect uh, even on deep balls. But uh, I think his downside is probably just he hasn't played a lot. He doesn't have a lot of experience. He hasn't been put in weird situations or big-time situations where he has to pull something out of his hat. So uh, right now my favorite is Brian Maurer. I think from the spring game, what I saw from practice and what I saw, it's the other things. It's not necessarily the arm, the legs, the, the knowledge of the game. It's his demeanor, his leadership, his wanting to take over that role as a starting quarterback that impressed me the most. That made me think this is the guy moving forward. Now, Milton coming in from Michigan, who who knows? With, with these guys, maybe they have an amazing camp. Maybe, you know – someone bumps Maurer off and, you know, I'm wrong, I, well, great. Because if that had to happen, if Maurer had to be bumped off and, and another guy steps up, that means he did great things during camp. That means he really is ready for this position. So I just love the fact that we have such a competitive group in this quarterback room. Right. And I mean, the future is there, too. I mean, do you think Caden Salter, I know I know a lot of people don't expect them to compete, but how did he look out of spring practice? And do you think he could be the future quarterback for Tennessee? Well, it, here's the issue. So a lot of people, if you're not following Tennessee football and you might not know, but Caden Salter has been getting in trouble recently. He really oh, hasn't gotten an opportunity to be out on the field, to learn the offense, to you know, practice during spring practice. He got in trouble with marijuana possession, not once, but twice now. And it seems as if he might be headed out the door. Now, I have no idea. I'm not going to say that I I know everything that's going on inside uh, the Tennessee locker room. But when a guy gets in trouble in a short amount of time between each other for the same thing, there's obvious pattern. And the responsibility just isn't there, especially for a, someone who wants to be QB one. Like you just can't, you just can't do that. You can't, you can't be that guy. So, not sure about Caden Salter. Uh, it might have to be, you know, Taven Jackson coming in the next class, who is the the future quarterback of Tennessee. But we'll see. Right. Yeah, there's always a big unknown, and that that's disappointing to hear because I know he was he was I think he was the highest rated player in the class. If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so. we uh, we were very excited <laughs> about him coming in. Uh, like you know, like we mentioned after our uh, struggles with JG, it was it was uh, something that we were excited about to have him. So it 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 really does just stink that uh, he's made these uh, bad decisions. Right, and I mean, I want to get to the transfer portal because. Tennessee uh, is the best example of the transfer portal takes away, but the transfer portal also gives you some stuff. They have, they've lost the highest number of players to the transfer portal, which isn't shocking due to the free one year due to you know the coaching change. But also, Hypo and the staff have landed nine impact transfers that are now going to be immediately eligible. You talked about some of them earlier. But for you, who were the biggest targets in the transfer portal, and who do you think will make the biggest impact this year for the Vols? 
Uh, first off, Jawan Mitchell from Texas is going to make a huge impact. With us losing multiple linebackers in the portal, it was huge to get a linebacker. And, you know, in the past when guys transferred, they were second string, third string guys. They never really got to play. That's why they're transferring. They didn't like the coaches, all that kind of stuff. But Jawan Mitchell was a starter. He led the team in tackling. This isn't a scrub. This is a guy who knows what he's doing. He, you know, has been on a big stage. He's, you know, from, you know, coming from Texas, it's not a small school, a very big school. So I, immediately I think he can make an impact on the field, in the locker room, in the film room, everywhere. He can be a leader for that linebacker room, uh, be one of the older guys in there, uh, be a leader in the weight room, be a leader on the field. So that was the biggest get for us in my opinion I was so happy when we actually got him and you know I think another one that could be good for us is Javante Payton the wide receiver from Mississippi State now we got some wide receivers out there in you know uh, Jones Jr. and and Hyatt but uh, you know a lot of times that third receiver is the most important guy just to get some you know five six yard outs that that he might be able to turn into something but give the other guys a break I don't see him as our number one wide receiver number two but someone who can take advantage of a mismatch on a linebacker and in this hypo offense with how up tempo it is how you know inventive he is as an offensive coordinator you can get the ball at any position uh, and I'm sure I'm sure Javante Payton is excited about that I'm sure that's why he wanted to come here because he talked to Heupel, came to understand, you know, what is expected of his offense and what's going to happen with his offense. And that probably was like, hey, I can get the ball a lot more or, you know, be taking advantage of my skill set a lot more at, here than it was at Mississippi State. So those two guys I'm definitely excited about. I, I think they can make an immediate impact for sure. Right. And I mean, you know, on the recruiting trail, I get it. I mean, as an Auburn guy, I do appreciate Dylan Brooks as an Auburn as an Auburn fan. So I know y'all lost him, but it's still a top 25 class. So I feel like Heupel did a good job of keeping some of these higher rated freshmen in the class. You look at Salter, you look at Aaron Willis. What were the biggest positional needs in this class? And do you see any instant impact freshmen coming out of this class? Well, that's that's the funny part. I, I was going to say Caden Salter, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if anybody from the freshman class is going to be an immediate impact. Um, I, I, I am excited about next year's class. I think, you know, it is an uphill battle for Heupel, but some of the guys that he's been trickling in, it, you know, the, the Taven Jackson that I mentioned earlier, quarterback, which is like, hey, I need to bring in another quarterback, even though I have all of these other guys. It's something you got to just always have a rotating door, which is good that he understands that. Um, you know, we just got uh, Cody Sampson commit, which is a speedster running back, and he's not a tiny speedster. He's 5'11, 200. So I love to see that. Um, and I, I think he's putting together a good class of his own. You know, obviously he's a good salesman if he was able to have this many guys stay as much as he did in that 2021 class. Uh, so so it looks like the future is bright moving forward. It looks like he can be a good recruiter moving forward. 
um, because, hey, that's the name of the game nowadays, right? It's it's recruiting. It's getting the guys in here, you know. And when I first met him, like I said, I went to practice early this year, spring practice, got a chance to meet him. Um, and the first thing he said was, yeah, we got to get some dudes in here. That was the first thing he said. He's like, hey, yep, we're going to be all right. We're going to, you know, fix some things that need to be fixed, but we need to get some dudes in here. So he understands, hey, I got to get big-time guys in here if I want to be competitive in the SEC. So it, it's it's great to see. Right. I, I'm excited. I think Hypo was a great was a great choice. I know there was some rumors that they were looking at some other candidates, but I feel like they went with the right guy in Hypo. But I want to get to the next season. It's going to be an interesting one for the Vols. But with all with this mass exodus of talent that we saw, there's going to be some breakout players that uh, that pop for the Vols. For you, when you look at the roster, who do you have your eyes on as the biggest breakout stars for Tennessee next year? Well, you know, whoever starts a quarterback, obviously, um, you know, we had that conversation. It's it's obviously the biggest position on the field. So whoever gets out there and starts, it's going to be huge for them. They could be the hero of Tennessee for the next three years. So try and take advantage, boys. Um, but other guys, uh, Jalen Hyatt at wide receiver, he had a great season last year as a freshman. Even though we had quarterback troubles, he was still a threat uh, against a lot of good defenses, you know, had a touchdown, a long touchdown versus Bama last year, and he's just a very wiry, athletic dude that I, I love watching him play. So I, I'm super excited to see how he's progressed, see how he, you know, has has uh, added to his game this year. Um, and then our running back room is kind of wide open. We've got three or four guys in there uh, that I can see, you know, just splitting time the entire season having, you know, three or four, 500-yard rushers. Um, but D Beckwith, who's a big, big dude, um, coming in probably 6'3", probably 225, 230. Uh, and and I, I would love to see him go off. You know, I, I would, you know, want him to be our mini Derrick Henry, if, if you will. Uh, but I have no idea if he's going to be a 2,000-yard rusher, but uh, would, lo- would love to see what, what comes out of him and, and his work ethic. And, and he really, you know, didn't play a lot of running back in high school and didn't play a lot last year, so it's kind of a new position for him. But I, I, would, I would love to see him flourish in this, this 2021 season. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what Tennessee does this year, what Heupel pulls out of some of these guys that he got. But looking ahead to the schedule, man, it's the SEC. When we do, as I've done interviews in this conference, everyone's schedule is just ridiculously brutal. Road games at Florida, at Alabama, at Kentucky, who's been good for the past few seasons. You also get a non-conference game against Pitt that isn't going to be easy. And you draw Ole Miss, who might have their best team in – since 2013, and you get Georgia, who has been running the East for the past few seasons. Yeah. For you, year one for Heupel, what are what is the ceiling and or floor for the 2021 team? Listen, first off, I'd like to say I have no idea who does the scheduling, but it looks like we're going to get the best other West team every year. We, we always have to play Alabama. That's always going to be on our schedule. But it looks like every time the other West team, it's the best year they've ever had. We played Auburn in 2012. They ended up winning a national championship. 2000, 
uh, 14, we're, we're playing, uh, or 2015, we're playing Ole Miss. They have Kandichi, they have Treadwell, they have, uh, you know, everybody on their team. It, it's, it's almost insane that the West team that we always end up with. Um, but floor, I expect four wins. If, if, if we're going to be honest, you got to beat the non-conference teams, maybe squeak away with a South Carolina, a Missouri, you know, beat a Vandy. Um, but four wins, it's going to suck as a Vol fan. But we have been here for a couple years now. We have been at the bottom of a barrel for a couple years. So it's not the end of the world. He's still going to be the head coach. But ceiling – I can easily see squeaking out six, being able to beat those non-conference teams, you know, struggle against Pitt, but, you know, beating Bowling Green, beating Pitt, beating Tennessee Tech, beating South Alabama. That's four right there. Then you got, you know, games against Vandy, Kentucky, Ole Miss, and Missouri. Just get two of those, get six wins, be bowl eligible, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. It's – <laughs> everyone's always hopeful. I'm always a pessimist. You know, I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimist. I, I want us to win as much as possible. I believe that we can. So I'm hoping for six. And, hey, is that asking a lot? I don't think so. As a fan of a team, <laughs> for hope for six, it, I don't think it's asking a lot. So, uh, hey, Missouri, if you could lay an egg in uh, Kentucky, <laughs> if you could if you could just calm down for one week and let us win a couple of games, I'd be happy. I feel that. Listen, as much as Tennessee might be in turmoil this all season, I still think they have a little bit more talent than Vandy. So I I give you all that game (laughs) at minimum in the SEC. And definitely Missouri is a question mark every year. They either could be eight and four, nine and three, or they're four and eight. And you're like, what happened? Why did you go get Kelly Bryant? (laughs) Yeah, um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, man, you know, I've been to a lot of SEC stadiums. Tennessee is not one of them, mostly because a lot of the stadiums I've been to is because Auburn played there. They haven't played there in a long time. Since I think 13 was the last time Auburn played in Knoxville. But Mm -hmm. for those who haven't been there, man, what makes Knoxville, Neyland Stadium, such a unique environment on game days? Man, it's just the fan base. It it, it is. Uh, You know, we do have the second biggest stadium in the SEC, so obviously it makes a difference, 102-455 being in there. But this fan base is insane. Uh, I mean, you know, we talked about it uh, with with Vol Twitter. It's, It's they love Tennessee no matter what. I don't think any other fan base in the world would still be as passionate about a team that has been this bad like Tennessee has over these recent years. I don't think any Alabama fans would be filling up the stadium if they were going five and seven, if they were going four and seven, if they were switching coaches every three years. I don't see that happening at a Clemson and Ohio State anywhere. This is, this is, complete, this is completely different. People are different here. You will have a game this year that is sold out. And that would never happen anywhere else. It won't happen anywhere else. To have 102, 455 at a game for first-year head coach after winning three games the year before. It, that, that is what makes it so special. 
and you just give us a glimmer of hope, we'll give you everything, <laughs> everything we got. And, and, and it really shows with, you know, previous games we've had in the past when, you know, Oklahoma came in in 2015, went to double overtime, ended up losing. But, you know, Oklahoma players on that team say it's they've never heard anything louder. You know, they've, they've never experienced anything like that. And it's true. You, you, you don't. It's, it's, it's another world. It is honestly like a col- – it is a coliseum. It is – you know, I get chills just thinking about it, but it, it's something that, you, you know, you might take for granted when you're there, but you know you have home field advantage for sure every time you're playing at home. There's, there's no doubt about that. Right. I mean, I haven't been to Tennessee, but I've seen Tennessee play. I was at the Georgia-Tennessee game when y'all hit the Hail Mary. And <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I mean, even I, I just went with, with like some friends who were Georgia fans. So I was neutral. And I remember I was in the Georgia donor section and I like accidentally was the only one cheering it like within <laughs> 15 sections uh, either way. And and the Tennessee fans were awesome down there. But I have to ask you, this is this is probably like a personal like podcast question. We've talked about it on the show. How in the world do you get 102,000 people to pull off checkerboarding the stadium perfectly? They're like, what's oh. the secret behind that? Because Auburn does whiteouts, and it's like 45% of the stadium forgets what white is that weekend. How, do yeah, you, how, no. how does Tennessee pull it out? It's incredible. It honestly is incredible. Um, But, you know, I I love that. I love that we were able to do that. We started doing that when I was playing there. So I I felt very blessed and and it was an awesome atmosphere every time. Uh, So they actually created a website and you punch in your ticket number, you you know, section, seat, where where you're sitting on that website. And it tells you you're wearing orange or you're wearing white. And people took it to heart and said, okay, I'm definitely wearing orange. I'm definitely wearing white. Like, no way am I going to be the one in that square that looks like a dweeb. Um, And, you know, the best part is they were even able to plan it out around the opposing team's fans. So, you know, I think we did it versus Georgia. We did it versus Florida. But, you know, when we did it versus Georgia, the orange square that's supposed to be there, that's what we left as the Georgia section. So, there was one square instead of being orange was red, you know, and then the Florida section was like, instead of one square being orange, it was blue. So it, it, they really planned the whole thing out and it, it, it made an awesome atmosphere. And we've, you know, even done it at basketball games. Now that was a little easier because they put some shirts in the seats uh, oh, yeah. and, and gave away some free t-shirts. So just in case, if you weren't wearing the right color, you had a t-shirt to put on, uh, <laughs> which, which definitely helped. But, uh, I definitely want to bring that back. I would love to bring back some of the things I that I got a chance to do, you know, the smoky gray uniforms, oh, the yeah. checker and of Neyland. Those things just, it, you know, Barry Sanders, you look good, you play good, you play good, they pay good, they pay good, you live good, you live good, you die good. So exactly, it's, it's exactly what you want. Um, and, 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 yeah, I, I love, love, love checker Neyland. It, it's the uh, up uh, Penn State whiteout checker Nealon's uh, easy second for me, and I think it's one A one B because those two schools can do it right. I'm actually going to Penn State this year for the Auburn game. I am praying oh, yeah. for the whiteout. I, I oh, need yeah. the whiteout in my life. But 
the checkers right there and the smoky gray uniforms are top five uniforms all time by far. Yes. I don't know yes. why y'all stopped that. That 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 might need to be like the the the, the like home uniform for every home game. <laughs> those those uniforms are clean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I you know I I I got my jersey when I graduated my gray jersey, so I, I still have that at home and I. Absolutely love it. You know, the helmet to go with it, with the, the Smoky Mountains in the helmet. It it just made – I mean, it made you feel like a badass. You couldn't help yourself, man. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think Penn State will definitely wide out that. I mean, it's – you know, James Franklin, they're playing an SEC team. They're going to, you know, take advantage of it. Big Ten is, you know, seen as second tier to SEC, so they, they're definitely going to want to beat you guys. Yeah, they definitely are, and I mean, honestly, just between us, they might, they probably will this year. But um, that, that's just that's just how I'm feeling right now. But man, I appreciate you coming on here. This was probably easily one of my favorite episodes to record. Where can they find you on social media? Where can they find the show? Anything else you want to plug, man? This time's yours. Yeah, so uh, follow me on all social medias: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's just at Kyler Kerbison. Um, you know, believe in Tennessee football is my podcast. You know, I got it up on YouTube. I got it up on all podcast platforms. Listen to, and it's spelled B L E A V in Tennessee football. Uh, so it's a little different spelling. Um, and yeah, you can email me that you can email the show or call the show, text the show. Uh, email is believe in Tennessee football at gmail.com. Phone number is 865 322 9232. And, you know, let me know, comment. Let me know what you want me to talk about. I love uh, getting feedback from fans, getting feedback from non-fans. Um, you know, I, I you can't say anything as bad as some coaches have said to me. So uh, uh, the more, the merrier. <laughs> See, he's got thick. He's got thick skin, guys. Y'all can't come for him. He's ready for it. But man, make sure to go check out Believe in Tennessee football. Also, make sure to go check out that network. Believe has some of the like coolest podcast up there that's a great podcast network too so make sure to go check out Kyler's social media go follow him go check out the podcast follow tennessee football this year y'all know where to find us youtube the blue bloods any and all podcast streaming platforms to subscribe now but for kyler myself and the blue bloods we are out